You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. If I worked for the White Sox organization, yes, and one day they came to me and said, Chris, for all of your years of service, we're going to name something after you. We're going to put a statue up. We're going to put up a plaque. We're going we're gonna to name a, a lounge, a lounge maybe after you. Something along those lines that I would giggle with my friends and take bets as to how long it would take for them to erase me and move on or take the sign down or get rid of the plaque. Because it's you or because it's them? (laughs) Because of them. This story that that broke over the last couple of days about Loretta's Lounge, and if you miss this thing, you know, I'll break it down real simple. A woman that worked for the White Sox, I believe, for 60 years. And in 2005, they dedicated a little area where people could sit down and eat, and they called it Loretta's Lounge after Loretta, and they they put a plaque there. Now, according to the White Sox in 2020... Before Tony La Russa was even a thought on anybody's mind, except for probably Jerry Reinsdorf's, they renamed the lounge La Russa's Lounge. But we wouldn't know that because we weren't allowed in the park. Right, we weren't allowed in the park. So then, when we get to 60% capacity this past week, family members finally got a look and saw that it had been renamed and took to Twitter to complain about it, which, of course, anybody would. Rightfully so. Yeah, Yeah, Grandma's... Like name got taken down in the ballpark. I mean, I remember the ceremony when they were like, it'll stand for all time or whatever BS they probably told them, right? Now, I've read a couple articles on it, and I get the impression the family was notified they were changing the name, but but they are upset because they never got the sign. So now the White Sox are going to make them a sign that they can keep in their garage or whatever like that. All right. <laughs> but, so Loretta's Lounge can live on. Yeah, Loretta's Lounge will now live on. In, in, in somebody's man cave. Oh, yeah, in somebody's man cave. All right. The thing is, it's just another PR debacle by the White Sox. Like, they look so they silly. They can't help themselves, can they? <laughs> they look so silly. They look they look so bad. But in the end, at this point, when you're the White Sox, and you have done all these crazy missteps, especially over the last four decades of Jerry Reinsdorf owning the team, from your white flag trade to almost moving the team out of Chicago. Like, just go through the list over the last couple of years, the Manny Machado debacle, all the Tony La Russa stuff. There's always something. This is a blip for them. They're probably like, ah, this will blow over in a couple of days. People will just move on from it because look at all the other times we've screwed up. I mean, don't forget, the Comiskey family thought it was going to be called Comiskey Park for all of time. That went away too. Like, this is yet another distraction in a season that I don't need distractions for. Uh, Marathon Sportswear has teamed up with Socks in the Basement, and we have a pop-up sale going on right now, and you have until Sunday night this weekend. All right, show comes out on Saturday the 29th, Sunday night, May 30th, at 11.59 p.m. Central Daylight Time, the sale goes down. So if you want to get some Socks in the Basement gear, go through the link that says pop-up store on the menu bar at SocksInTheBasement.com or we're going to put the link inside the show notes for today's show. But you only have, by the time you're listening to this, probably about 24 hours or so. 
to be able to get in and get it. People are trying to make sure they get their gear. It's all being put together by Marathon Sportswear. This is very high quality stuff. They're going to do all the shipping. They're going to handle all the orders for us. Uh, we're very happy to be working with them. And there's some really cool stuff on there. I think the stuff looks, I, seriously, these items look better than anything I could design. Yeah, it's well it's well done stuff. Right. I mean, like when I tried to come up with a, like my original merchandise, right, for Socks in the Basement, I don't know what I'm doing. This was like designed by a guy. This is like on like really high quality stuff. Like this, this is good stuff. I'm ordering some of this stuff for myself. I might even order some for you, Ed. So, you know, I mean, uh, like, thanks, man. <laughs> now I don't have to go around in public in the nakedness. We're going to talk a lot today about Memorial Day weekend and the measuring stick that it is. This is something that was told to me from when I was a, a, a wee boy by my father and my grandfather who would sit there and say, don't get too excited about a team until you get to Memorial Day weekend. Right, yeah, I, I, and that, that seems to be common a common pearl of wisdom. Right, you know then what you are. Like when Adam Dunn was doing Adam Dunn things, I believe that maybe he would correct it that first year with the White Sox until I got to Memorial Day. And then I was like, nah, no matter what Chris Ranji tells me in the postgame, He's never going to be anything else than this. He's a bust. Like, because there was no way. I didn't, I, I believe that after a guy gets two months in, that's what he is. So I believe that Yasmani Grandal is going to be an on-base machine, but I'm very concerned about the fact that he's under the Mendoza line. Like, in terms of his actual hitting, that is a concern for me at this point. Because we're two months in now. Yeah, and he hasn't turned it around. So you're not, not expecting him to suddenly be hitting 300. Right. On the other hand, your mean Mercedes feels more real each and every day. The team feels real to me now. I mean, we they, we always thought they had talent, but when you get to this point and you see where they're at in the standings and they still have the biggest run differential of any team in Major League Baseball and they're atop the standings in their division, now you have to have some confidence in what they are. So we are going to talk about that here today on Socks in the Basement. You have conspiracy theories that you put up online on mismatched socks. Uh, your blog that you put out once or twice a week on SocksInTheBasement.com. It's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. If you have any foundational issues, you see things going on around the house outside or inside, anything from sump pumps to window wells. If you need something just checked out because you're not sure what your basement is doing these days and you don't want to get caught with a bunch of water down there unexpectedly, Give them a call. The phone number is right there on the logo, or you can visit them at famws.com. The proud sponsor of Socks in the Basement. Mention us, and it will cost you less. I don't want to read your whole article here, but I love it because it's got a picture of a tinfoil White Sox hat, like right at the top of it. And these are your crackpot theories. And I'm just going to read off some of them. I'm to just people. trying to make sense of it all. That's all I'm trying to do yeah. is 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 just make sense of where the team is. As we hit Memorial Day. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you to to at least give me what one of these headlines mean. But they, there's a headline and then there's your breakdown on a conspiracy that may or may not be happening in or around the White Sox organization. I can I can prove none of this. I have no insider information. These are merely theories that happen to fit the facts. One of these is Tony La Russa is playing a character named Tony La Russa. Uh, another one is the Sox are sandbagging early games against possible playoff opponents. Andrew Vaughn was told to tamp down the hype machine. Yasmani Grandal was signed to make Zach Collins the starter. Uh, there's one here where the White Sox knew that Ethan Katz could fix Rodon, but held it back from him so they could get him to take a pay cut. That one's intriguing to me. 
and Eloy is not as hurt as the White Sox are claiming. These are all the conspiracy theories. You have other ones in here as well. <laughs> I, you might be right about Reinsdorf would prefer the restrictions be removed slowly. Yeah, some of these, some of these, I honestly, I don't think are really crackpot. <laughs> I actually think that this might be what, what's going on. I love that. It may, it's like Econ 101. It's supply and demand. If you feel like you can't get tickets, you'll rush out and get tickets quicker. Like, like let's roll back the restrictions slowly because we don't normally sell out anyway. So let's make it seem like you got to hurry up and get your tickets because they don't have enough seats. I thought that that's that's an interesting one that you break down. Uh, I really hope you're right about Han had a bigger budget for 2021, but has intentionally saved it. Like, I, I really hope that's there's a reason it, it, behind yeah, that, what he did. Some of these might be more prayers than anything else, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> Ed, 33rd in Princeton is the spot to be before, during, and after White Sox games. When they're at home and you have a ticket, go inside. Then come back to Cork and Carry at the park, a Southside tradition. Uh, I just brought Dad over there during the uh, during the Cardinals series. We went over there and had a couple of beers. That, that place is a great hangout. It is live all the time. I'm going to tell you, like, people are out there. Sox fans are enjoying it. They're hustling in there to make sure that they take care of you. And the food is is incredible and and still even at 60 percent i don't think they have as many options in the ballpark that they used to have they're they're honest i was up on a 300 level and it used to be like a huge array of food there's very limited options that are up there this year because they're still coming out of all their restrictions and trying to figure out what they can do meanwhile gordon carey at the park has award-winning burgers amazing ballpark food they've got things for any price range in there and they've got a great array of beers on tap and a full liquor bar and great seating. They got indoor, outdoor. It's a great spot to be in the shadow of the ballpark. And remember, you can rent the spot out for watch parties. Get more details at corkandcarryatthepark.com. Let's talk about the standings. Let's see where the White Sox are. And let's see where the rest of baseball is here. Because as I said, Memorial Day weekend is really like the, the measuring stick. And at this point, your American League division leaders are the Rays, the White Sox, and the A's. And not not unexpected with all three of those, really. No, no, not at all. I mean, what the heck? We we faced Oakland last year. Tampa Bay's a good team. The two wildcard teams, as we sit here as, and record on Friday, are the Red Sox and the Yankees with the Indians, the Astros, and I would say the Blue Jays within striking distance. After that, you're five games back or more from the wildcard. Yeah. Now, I don't think the teams that are five or seven games back are giving up yet. There are two teams that are double digits behind. In games from the wild card. It's already over for the Baltimore Orioles. It's already over for the Detroit Tigers. And very soon, you could almost add Minnesota to that list. Like, that's how far back they are right now. Yeah, they're they're nine back in the division, eight and a half back as I'm looking at the wild card standings. And that is a tough road to overcome when you're looking at the guys that are in front of them because you have Cleveland, uh, you know, within the division and then within the wild card as well. But you're also behind Toronto. You have the Yankees to deal with with the wild card. You have the Red Sox to deal with with the wild card. Frankly, you have Seattle uh, also in that mix. And the Angels, I don't think, are as bad as their record suggests. I think you can safely say that unless they are delirious, the Tigers, the Orioles, and on the National League side, let's go with anybody who's double digits back in the wild card. Which is Pittsburgh, Arizona, and Colorado. Right. Pittsburgh, Arizona, and Colorado. And and those teams have guys that can play the outfield that, that could be available. It is so apparent to me after watching the, the last week or so of baseball. I mean, the, the Sox are 5-5 five and five over their last 10 right now. 
They're, they beat up on teams they should beat up on, and they're two games under 500 against teams that are over 500 this year. They're not beating right. the good teams, but they're kicking the crap out of the bad teams. And that's fine. That, that will likely keep you in this race with Cleveland nipping at your heels, but you should be able to stay in first place and 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 be able to get to Robert and Jimenez. But why do we want to make this that close? I, it, this is the time. Well, and, and why do you want to rely on guys coming back from injury too? You, you know, I, 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 I will absolutely 100% say that I would prefer to have those two guys in the lineup. But if they need more time, you know, the, the question with Aloy's injury as well is, Will he have power when he gets back because of the nature of the injury, right? Right, and that was something that we were hearing about right away, that it, there were a lot of people that were saying he's going to come back, but he's not going to be home run hitting Aloy until 2022. So so why rely on on him rushing back? I mean, if they were to tell me that, look, he's back, he can swing a bat, and, and he could probably give us hits, but he is not the same guy right now, we would rather he just shut it down and we'll pick him back up in spring training. Uh, you know, he'll pick right back up where he left off at the plate. I I don't know that I would bat an eye at that unless the Sox were in, like, their current position where it's like, good Lord, we just need somebody else out there. You know, we need someone who is not Adam Eaton, Billy Hamilton, or Larry Garcia. Do you think that the Rockies would give us Charlie Blackman? That's the name that, that you know, when you look at the Rockies, it's the first name that comes to mind is Charlie Blackman. And Blackman is coming up on his contract fairly soon he's an expensive guy um but he's also they are in the midst of a rebuild they're 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 talking about launching trevor story too you know potentially and he's not that old right so i mean if, if they're already talking about the possibility of getting rid of story and they already got rid of arnado and i know that things change in the front office there like the guy who caused all this mess is gone now but, yeah, he's he's out the door but the new guy coming in is not attached to anybody he can now work you know with with no tether like, if he decides, hey, look, I came into this mess and the only way to get out of it is to do a full rebuild, and I'm now going to deal players, you would think Charlie Blackman's got to be on the block. That would be a guy that a team that's trying to win a World Series would go and pick up, no matter when Robert and Jimenez are coming back, no matter what's going on out there. You're going to find a room for that guy in your team down the stretch run, even as these guys come back, and you're going to win games with him out there that you might not have won because you're you're basically putting out a replacement level outfield each and every game. Like this outfield right now is not very much better than what you were you had out there during the the rebuild at this point. Like what you're getting out of your outfield production wise is pretty much the same as when Daniel Palka was out there. Not not good Daniel Palka. Let's let's be clear. It's with the the bad version of Palka, yeah. the the strikeout machine. This outfield is the equivalent of hey, Charlie Tilson's up. Let's see what this guy can do. Like, that's what the level of the outfield is. This, this is not it's, good it's enough. It's not Makoviak in center field right now. That's where we are. <laughs> Thank you. So, so I mean, like, you you need to make a move now. I mean, I, I would think Blackman would be somebody you should go after. Arizona's got Peralta. David Peralta, yeah. Peralta's an, another guy. that He would be, I almost think he would be the better fit, to be honest with you. Blackman's not having the best season he's ever had. You know, he is actually showing his age a little bit, but I think he would be a good, you know, I think he would be a good fit. But he's also a guy that... He signed through 2023, so you're going to have to figure out a way to either pay or move Blackman. What if what if we could get Trey Mancini off of the O's? I mean, think about it. I mean, the, the guy can sit out there in a corner outfield, and he's he's getting close to 30. I know he's. I want to say he's 28 right now. He's going to be 29 next year. 
Yeah, but you you have to wonder whether or not, like, you know, where are the O's in their rebuild and do they think Mancini is really going to be a part of things when they finally get good, especially in a division that they're in? Like, there, there's somebody you might be able to shake him loose. He might be interested. And I still believe that Brian Reynolds, for the right price, can be gotten uh, off of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I would pay the price. Yeah, I would pay the price for Brian Reynolds. I, I would pay a pretty decent price for Trey Mancini, to tell you the truth, too. Well, somebody asked me the other day on Twitter, and I gave a very honest answer. Like, what would you give up for this corner outfielder that you want? And I was like, anybody that's not currently on the active roster or injured list who's not called Jared Kelly. And then we can have a conversation about other guys, right? But, I mean, Jake Berger, the way that he's hitting down there, if he doesn't if he doesn't perk up the ears of somebody who's trying to do a rebuild or looking for a player, like, that that guy's trade bait. Either the White Sox should be bringing him up right now and figuring out if he can stand in a corner outfield position or they should be dealing him. And in reality, what the White Sox really need is they need somebody who can go out there and stand in center field. That's why I look at guys like Blackman and I look at guys like like Reynolds more than I look at Mancini. Yeah, because you don't need you don't need a corner outfielder as much as you need a center fielder right now. Right, because I don't want Larry Garcia out there. I really don't. He looks so awkward when he's going for any ball that's hit where he has to go backwards. Like we are going to see at some point this season, Larry Garcia backpedal and fall on his butt because his backpedal is some of the, is one of the most awkward things to watch in center field. And I I have watched this now in person. I've watched it over the last couple of years when he's filled in out there or when he was regularly out there in center. And I was reminded of it this week when I was out at the ballpark. And I don't think you really get uh, a a true sense of how lost he looks in center field. Like he he makes up for it because he's an athlete. Larry Garcia is is a great guy to have on your bench and a great guy to have. You know, you can have him play over here when a guy needs a day off and play over here when he needs a day off. But every day out there, he's getting exposed because he's not an everyday player. And he he looks really awkward sometimes going for for balls in, that are hit into the gap or hit over his head in center and he's trying to go back. Andrew Vaughn looks more natural than he does out there on the run. On the run, with two of them running for the ball, I believe Andrew Vaughn's going to get there before it's actually going to make a smoother play than, than Larry Garcia right now. And that says he a lot. He also has a better arm. Do you think you'd be saying this at the start of spring training, that Andrew Vaughn is the best outfielder on the team? If you're listening to Socks in the Basement right now and you're a CFO, HR professional, owner of a company, and you're tired about the typical health insurance premium increases that you're seeing each and every year, and there's no end in sight to your problems, Elite Benefits of America wants to help you. Butch Zemar, who hosts the Zemar podcast on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network, check it out. He has great guests. He breaks down insurance, uh, not only for your personal use. You know, I've learned a lot about how I would deal with my family's insurance with that podcast while I'm producing it for him but also uh, how he helps out different businesses. And this is the time to start looking at what you're going to do because guess what? Summer now is upon us. And in the fall, that's when you're making all of your changes for your employees. A guy like Butch sits there and says, okay, we can do this plan from this company, this plan from this company, this plan from this company. This is what it's going to cost you. This is what it's going to cost your employees. And this is how much money I just saved you. It's totally worth reaching out to Butch and also checking out the ZMAR podcast. Give him a call at 708-535-3006. Reach out to Butch at EliteBenefits.net or just visit EliteBenefits.net. We've talked about what the White Sox should do, and that is go out and make a deal. And we've identified some teams based upon the standings here as we're at this weekend that are clearly out of it. And we were able to easily rattle off a couple of names, right? We were like, this guy, 
this guy, like you, you hear a name, like you heard the Rockies. You're like, well, Charlie Blackman, you, Charlie you, Blackman, heard, yeah. you heard the Orioles are way out of it. You're like, oh, Trey Mancini. You're, you're able to immediately as a baseball fan, go that guy, that guy plays the outfield. That guy might help us. Brian Reynolds over at the, at the pirates. That guy might help us. I wonder what the price is, but let's take a look at our own team before we get out of here, because that's another thing that I think you have to be aware of as a White Sox fan is what do you have right now? And is there anybody that is either playing better than they're going to finish the season or somebody that's had a terrible start that you still believe in? Because I start to believe more and more as we get to this point, a couple of months in as the summer is going to begin, that they are what they are. If a player is doing this, that's what they are. And I, I listed these guys by OPS plus, and I just grabbed the guys that have basically played the most amount of games. First of all, an OPS plus, 100 is average in terms of your hitting, in terms of your, your on-base percentage, your slugging, everything else. The higher your OPS plus is over 100, uh, the better of a player that you are at the plate in terms of your hitting. Your mean Mercedes leads the team at a 155 OPS plus. His OPS is at 911. And Abreu is at a 132. Before he got injured, Robert was at a 131, which is, that, that just shows how much you miss him, Right. Right, yeah, he was a huge loss. What a loss that is, all right? He'd be, he'd be your third best guy on the list right now. That's a, that's a massive loss. It can never be understated what it is. Yuan Moncada's at 130. Nick Mandrigal's at 116, and that's a guy who has no slugging. Yes, but all he has to do is make slight contact with the ball, and it lands safely. And, and here's the crazy stat. This thing here will blow your mind, all right? Nick Mandrigal's got an OPS plus of 116. And that is because he has a 306 average, a 353 on base percentage, and slugs 413. Yasmani Grandal's at a 115. They're like right, they're a point away from each other. But Grandal has got a 141 batting average, but a 391 on base percentage. And he's a, he's actually slugging only 359. It's all on base. That's all he is. In fact, Larusa moving up to the two spot the other day, I hope that becomes all the time. Because he gets on base. Like, that's, that's his only thing that he does right now. He just gets on base. I, I'm very concerned about the fact that he's hitting 141, though, on Memorial Day weekend. As he enters Memorial Day weekend, he's hitting 141. How concerned are you about that average if he's getting on base as much as he is? The fact that he's getting on base is important. The fact that he's not hitting anything at all is deeply concerning if you're going forward because you're, you're not looking at Zach Collins is being a guy that can be like James McCann and spend way more time behind the plate than you would normally have with a starter backup situation. I never expected Yaz to hit, say, above 240. You know, he's he's just not a 300 hitter. He's not a 275 guy. He's, you know, he, he's kind of a three true outcome guy. So I think he'll get over the Mendoza line. I just don't think it'll be very far. And I, and and I think what you're going to have that's going to be an issue with him is when you get into a playoff situation and you don't have pitchers who need to nibble around to get outs, you know, you have guys that can go straight at you. He could be in a big situation, let's say in the World Series, and let's say it's against Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw doesn't need to work around a guy, you know, to get him out. He can He can still put stuff in the strike zone and get you out. And that's where Yaz is going to hurt the Sox is because if he's going to be in a position where he's going to have to swing the bat because guys aren't going to be, you know, 
trying to get around the corners and trying to just get off the plate. You know, if he can't put the ball in play consistently, he can't put it in play hard. That's that's a huge issue, especially for a guy who costs as much as he does with the intention that he was going to be, you know, a pretty deep bat. Yeah, I thought he was going to hit better in this. I, I get the whole he gets on base thing, and I understand putting him in the two-hole. But, but look, he's got a terrible eye. That's the first thing. Like, the fact that he's getting on base so much is not because of the fact that he is in total command of the strike zone. Like, I have watched him argue on pitches that are actually strikes. And he's arguing with umpires because he thinks everything's a ball. Like, Rondell right now is like that kid in your Little League team that never wants to swing. He just wants to get on base. Mom's going to buy him an ice cream if he gets on base. Like, he's so enamored right now with his on-base percentage that he's actually going overboard and taking pitches that are actually strikes. Like, all the borderline pitches now, he feels like he's going to will the umpire into giving him a walk. That's not that's not a good long term plan. So so he's he's doing at the plate the opposite of what he does behind the plate. So where his framing is buying strikes for the pitchers, he thinks his like I don't know what what would that be like his 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 chi or something like that is is somehow pushing the ball out of the strike yeah. zone and and I don't know I don't know what he's, he's doing. got an aura about him that is blinding the umpires to the to actual balls and strikes. I I don't I have no idea what he's doing. I, honest to goodness, I he does not have. The eye, the amount of times that I've watched him argue on a ball that is in the zone or right on the line, like that was a foot outside and he's getting angry with all these umpires. You swing the bat, man. Like, I mean, he's so enamored right now with his on-base percentage that he's forgotten to swing the bat. And so that's, and that's a big issue because even if he's up in the two spot, you know, Timmy Anderson right now is suffering. I think that's like the thing that nobody's really talking enough about. Timmy Anderson is suffering over the last couple of weeks. He's had, he has nobody sitting behind him. One of the biggest holes in the lineup has been the two spot for this team over the last couple of weeks. And his average has plummeted. You know, for Timmy Anderson, hitting 287 is low. We, we've talked about that before. You expect him to, you know, be a 300-plus hitter. That's what he is. That's what he's been over the last couple of years. He's struggling right now. He's one of the lowest guys of the starting nine in terms of OPS plus, he's only sitting at 108 and he's up at the top of your lineup. And he, he has been one of your more dangerous bats, not only on the team, but when we talk about going up against right-handed pitching, he's one of the few that you really can rely on over the last couple of years. And he's struggling right now because you don't have a guy in the two spot. So that, that falls not only on whoever's sitting in the two spot, you've got to find somebody good, but it falls on LaRusso to figure out how do I protect my guy at the top? Cause he, he insists on this traditional lineup the speed stir up at the at the top of the lineup, and then the setup guy in the two spot before he starts getting to the power guys. Like he's not he is not gonna all of a sudden change that. That's that's how he sees baseball. And I don't know what the solution is if you have to stick to this old school way of thinking with your lineup. And I've been trying my hardest not to get into lineup stuff early on in the season because he's learning his team. But that is something that has to be addressed with or without another outfielder being picked up in a trade with or without an addition to this team, who's going to be behind Anderson and get you into the meat of the order to not only allow Anderson to produce better, where pitchers, I mean, pitchers right now can just pitch around him. Like, why would you give Tim Anderson anything knowing that the guy after him is an out? Not only in the first inning, forget the first inning, the rest of the game, he's likely coming up and he's not leading off the inning. And so when he's coming up, he's there's there might be a guy on, there might be an out or two, and now you're sitting there going, why am I going to let this guy kill me? Because the guy coming up behind him sucks. And it's been that way now in this lineup for far too long. 
So uh, maybe the Grandal thing is like, hey, we could put him up there. He's a, he, he's at least going to walk his way and get you to Moncada. Like maybe maybe that's the plan. But you're right. A good pitcher is just going to challenge Grandal and sit him down. And a good pitcher then will realize I could challenge Grandal and sit him down. So I'm not going to pitch to Anderson. So it's definitely something that Tony needs to address and he needs to address it soon. Well, and, and there's you can throw out names that are in the lineup right now. And the two that I would come to are Nick Madrigal. But I know that they, they, they like having him at the bottom, that that nine hitter that's going to turn the lineup back over to Anderson. But Madrigal would be infuriating behind Anderson. And, and you, you know you cannot just sit there and say, okay, I can I can pitch around Anderson. Then I can just go at this guy and I can get myself two quick outs before I have to deal with Moncada or Abreu. The other guy who you might as well give him a shot up there and maybe give him a few extra at-bats is Vaughn. You're not taking him out of the lineup at this point because you can't. So put Andrew Vaughn too? That's an interesting idea. He's a guy now, he's a guy who does have command of the strike zone. He's just he's just not seeing the ball real well off of some of these pitchers. And you can tell there's a little bit of a difference. And I'm not saying that Vaughn's all of a sudden gonna gonna start hitting three hundred and not gonna strike out anymore or anything like that, but at least he's dangerous. How much do you think he would benefit from having somebody behind him that's dangerous? Because he's been doing a lot of his stuff over the last week or so where he's actually having big moments and getting big home runs and 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 showing that potential and showing what he can be for a long time in this White Sox lineup with Larry Garcia behind him in the order. And that's not protection. So imagine if he's got Moncada behind him and Anderson in front of him. It might actually improve everybody in that lineup. I'm telling you, you might be on something. I was just about to ask you, would you rather have Mandrigal or Grandal in the two spot? But I'll add in Vaughn. Finish off the show. Which one of those three guys right now do you want in the two spot between Anderson and Mancata? Honestly, I, I think I, I'm 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 in love with the idea of Andrew Vaughn being up there. I love it. I like I like I like the idea of him being there. I think he represents the best combination of being a dangerous hitter and a guy who could benefit from having the the meat of the lineup behind him. I love it. We're 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 ju- I'm jumping on that bandwagon right now. I'm jumping on it. I don't know what the bottom of the order so- looks like. It's probably just an absolute mess when we do that. The bottom of the order <laughs> is a gaping hole and then Nick Madrigal. That's what it yeah, is. Because it's like with nobody behind Grandal, <laughs> they're just going to say, "Fine, take your walk and I'll pitch to these other guys in the seven and eight spot before I yeah. get to Mandrigal and I'll get out of the inning. So I don't know if it would work. And again, this is why we need another outfielder. Come on, Rick, make a move. Make my Memorial Day weekend the best Memorial Day weekend it can be and make a move this weekend, okay? I, I Please do something. There are a lot of teams out of it. It's time to do something. And I think that every option should be on the table. Like I said, there's a there's plenty of guys that you could probably part with right now, White Sox fans, and say it's okay because it's going to solidify my team. It's going to make my players better. It's going to bridge the gap until the guys that are injured get back. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Sox in the Basement. Remember, the link to the store, the pop-up store with Marathon Sports, is in the show notes. You only have until the end of the night on Sunday evening this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, to get your Sox in the Basement items, and then they will be shipped out to you. There is some great stuff there. The link at SoxInTheBasement.com, along with Mismatch Sox. Read some conspiracy theories. My friend, enjoy whatever barbecue you're going to this weekend, and we will talk next week. I will be there with meat sweats still on. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.